You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that covers news and events happening in the world of Lucha Libre, talking Mexico-based promotions and top independents, along with Luchador-related news from throughout the United States. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on all major podcast streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and more. And, of course, a shout-out to our streaming partners at TheChairShot.com. My name is Miranda Morales, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. And let me bring in the rest of the team. Introducing first, he is the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Dusty, how's it going? Uh, it's going great. How's it going for you, Miranda? It is going fantastic. And to round out the third member of this trio's team is who? 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 It is the one and only Brendan Barr. That's who. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Such an enthusiastic woohoo. <laughs> I don't know if I had felt that one. Okay. Maybe you're phoning it in. I don't no, know. Well, I mean, I literally am phoning it in. Oh, but. well, okay. Okay. <laughs> if you're going to be smart with me. <laughs> oh, man. What a week to cover. Oh, there was so much. I don't think I had seen as much wrestling going on in the past week than in the existence of history. Is that yeah. a fair statement to say? I, I mean, I, I'm going to go with it. I, yeah. I, I mean, I haven't been alive forever, nor will I. But to this point in time, I, and I remember seeing the infographs and schedules out of wrestling over the past week. Mm-hmm. Um, both, you know, throughout the L.A. area, happening internationally, um, you know, ha- happening everywhere. Uh, on all scales, and I can't recall time seeing so many wrestling shows happening at the same time. Yeah, no, they they went all out this this week for sure, and it was wasn't just in the one city, which we're mm-hmm. going to talk a lot about. It was all yes. over the place. Yes, yes, exactly. So we have a stacked show for you. So we are actually going to jump right into it. Brendan, why don't you kick things off for us? Okay, so we normally start with with the news of the week. I'm just going to give this up to you. The giant news story of the week is not an independent wrestling promotion and will be covered elsewhere on this show. So if you're tuning in for our take on the big news story, we'll talk about that later. But that's what all the news was centered around that. Everything else was around matches and results and tons and tons of events going on. So let's just dive right into the indie roundup, shall we? Uh, and the Indie Roundup, uh, so to one of the things Miranda was kind of 
dancing around and that popped into my head when she she mentioned it was uh Hijo del Vikingo had uh, a, his own graphic just for how to keep up with him over this last weekend because he and he put it on all of his social medias master public retweeted it uh because you could he was in so many matches so we're going to start with the LA weekend here we're going to start on Thursday which was the beginning of it four o'clock they had a show which was called the March Mark Hitchcock Memorial uh it is uh it, it, the March Hitch- Memorial Super Show it is available on highspots.tv uh if you only can see a couple of wrestling shows uh, you know because your, your budget or anything that came out of this past weekend this is one of the ones i will recommend this is top to bottom lucha excitement there uh there is a couple matches in the middle that are lucha but like so much going on and so many good matches so um our opener for that one was blake christian versus michael oko uh blake christian is working a lot of lucha matches lately uh he's uh, still kind of an American West Coast Indies guy, but uh, we, I was happy to see this match on the show. It was a nice w- warm-up for the ROH Supercard of Honor show, which he was also participating in later in the weekend. Uh, then you had a uh, very interesting match where you had Brian Keith and Kenta versus Christopher Daniels and Filthy Tom Lawler with Ken Shamrock as a guest enforcer. Now, uh, Brian Keith kind of gave me some uh, Texas Lucha vibes. He's, he's more of a Texas-style brawler, and Kenta, obviously, big martial arts uh, and Japanese-style mixing. And you had Christopher Daniels and Tom Lawler being the the worst kind of heels you love to hate. Like, <laughs> that was that's all you need on this one. If you have seen... Tom Lawler and Christopher Daniels just being the kind of, of heels that, that you really want to boo, but you find yourself smiling face uh, through the whole your whole face while you're doing it because they're just so good at being awful. This is a fantastic match for you. But here, buried in the middle of the card, is the match, I think, possibly of the weekend, uh, even though many people have seen it dozens of times, uh, Negro Casas and Ultimo Dragon. Uh, and so we, they alluded to this, that there's a lot of history going on. Uh, they, the kind of the history of these two goes way back. And, uh, I'm going to actually let Dusty talk a little more on, on that at this point, just kind of how this yeah. all starts. Excuse me. Yeah. They, they've had a long time history, literally going back 30 years to the UWA Federation in New Mexico. And they have wrestled against each other. Many, many times, tag teams, trios, they have a long history. They always ended up in the same companies together. They were in UWA at the same time. They were in WCW at the same time. They were in New Japan at the same time. Like these guys, and it's one of the, I don't know how to phrase it exactly, but it's it's considered one of the best rivalries in the history of Mexican wrestling. History of Lucha Libre, this is one of the top rivalries. They've always had their thing against each other, and it, it's really cool. Thirty, Literally 30 years later, it had been 29 years since they had wrestled uh, in 1994 in Los Angeles, 
Same as this weekend. If you want to see that match from 1994, it's on YouTube. Friend of the show, Roy Lucier, he he posted it. Like I found that doing my research on the match. So I thought that Always was really the, cool. The very knowledgeable and resourceful. And he was uh, ringside for this one, too, just to bring the, the circle around. So, yeah. Yes, yes. And especially in a U.S.-based lucha show like that, you know, check out Roy Lucier's uh Instagram and social medias because he was all over um, LA and, and all the cons and matches and you know all, all the lucha need to know places as well as the Dos Hermanos luchas as well. Lot, lots of friends of the show uh, were out and about in LA this past weekend. But yeah, so with all that history and all that going on, it. it you know, it's amazing to see two guys. This has evolved from two young rising superstars to basically being a maestro's match. Uh, but it didn't feel like we were watching two guys uh, somewhere in the middle or end of their career. We were watching two guys that would just could that knew each other so well and could put on a great match. They just entertained. Um, you know, it, it may not have been the high flying. Uh, you know, su- suicide dive match that we uh, have come to associate with a lot of West Coast lucha, but man, it was great for for what it was, and and uh, I cannot recommend this match alone enough. Like the if, if you were to boil the match down, boil the card down to one match, this is the one I'd be like, that's the one you have to watch. But uh, on the other side of things, the next match we had, we had a trios match, which was. Crazy. Let me just give you the names here, and you can start getting an idea here. We had Aries, Laredo Kid, and Latigo on one side, and then you had Aramis, uh, Galeno del Mal, and Rey Orus on the other side. So uh, you have crazy high-flying. You have Galeno del Mal being an absolute giant. You have just everything you need on them, and it just went crazy. I was super happy to see... Galeno Del Mal working with some of these other guys and getting a little more exposure in America. I know uh, Miranda, you've had a chance to see him a little more lately, uh, or at least be in the same room with him. I don't remember if he performed on the last show you were talking about <laughs> or was just there, but <laughs> uh, he's so big, so huge, and uh, I mean, he's so much bigger than the last time I saw him on TV, so I was just impressed with that, but... Uh, massive, massively cool, fun trios match. All of the crazy spots you would expect. Aramis, Galeno del Mal, and Ray Orus were on, were the winners on this one. Uh, fantastic, fun match there. Uh, you, in, in a non-lucha thing, so I'm not going to talk too much about it, you had a 10-woman Joshi exhibition. You had Mike Bailey in a match, and then we come out to uh, another trios match, which was Jeff Cobb and Ozzy Open against the Motor City Machine Guns and Kushida. Um, I didn't put on my notes who won this one because I was just a little too excited to see the whole thing. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, Jeff Cobb was, uh, or, well, he will never admit to it. Every time I've asked that he's been asked about it in my presence, uh, he will not admit to being uh, associated with the with Matanza, but <laughs> yet he'll still happily sign the merchandise. So go figure. Anyway, uh, that was another fun one. But the night ended off with a which was a match that is being frequently was already frequently going into this weekend 
being compared to the uh, a match that was going to happen later in the weekend, and you'll figure out why in a second here. But it was Black Taurus and Commander versus also Hijo del Vikingo. It was a three-way match. That's the easiest, less tongue-tie way of saying that. And uh, this was for the AAA Mega Championship. And uh, it is all the things you might expect, because you had Black Taurus being big and fast, and surprisingly fast, I should say. You had Commander and Hijo del Vikingo jumping off of everything, flying around. Um, it was a very different sort of feel from the one-on-one match we we are we got at the Supercard of Honor, which... Spoiler, that's the first match of the night for the next show I'm going to talk about. But uh, uh, the thing that I, I was wondering about, and apparently they, they didn't want to do it, was it would have been super interesting if Commander had won the title on this night and then had to defend against uh, Vikingo on the on the Supercard of Honor night. But they didn't they didn't do it that way, which is... Probably in some ways for the better, but it would have been neat, nice little tie up, nice little bow for the fans. Um, but that does lead me right into Supercard of Honor, which started the live broadcasting with Hijo del Vikingo defending the title against Commander. And so this was the one on one, like I said, uh, it was already being compared with Black, the, the one where you had Black Taros also in the mix. Um, very different feel of match because it was two two guys that uh were were doing at the beginning they were they were kind of doing more of a mirror image thing what they both were going for the same couple of moves they were both trying to start slow with some locks to slow the other person down and eventually it graduated into a high-flying mass chaos some of you have probably already seen the the gifts of commander running the ropes all the way to the other side of the ring and then diving off into the crowd which was just uh, even though you knew exactly what was coming it still blew me away um so yeah i'm just gonna pause here now that we've had two variations on the same matches did either of you get a chance to see either of these matches any thoughts on on them I didn't get to see these matches. Um, I just saw a lot of buzz on, on social media, um, especially from the Supercard of Honor uh, match. And I think in general, um, and I know we'll talk a little bit about it on the AW side, but I think a really high weekend overall for both Commander and uh, Eho the Vikingo. Yeah, they both came away big stars from this weekend. And we're not done talking about either of them, but this was the big focus. Uh, the, uh, the, I'm just gonna say, if you, if you only have the one and you want to pay for just the one pay-per-view, uh, and you're listening to this show, I think it's gonna be the Supercard of Honor is the, uh, the Lucha, the big Lucha payoff. We have three really good Lucha matches on here and the rest on the card were also very appealing. Um, it, uh, you, and you have uh, just barely, and I'm, I'm gonna I waffle back and forth. I think just the one on one was slightly better than the three way from the night before, and I, that's that is uh, <laughs> impressive to me because I was expecting uh, Black Taurus was going to be the, the difference maker and make the the uh, the match really elevate with those guys being able to do crazy things off of him. 
But here we are, Ring of Honor. Let's focus back on that. Ring of Honor, They so Vikingo did successfully defend that in the opener of the night. Uh, and then we had a tag team ladder match, which was for the now vacated Ring of Honor tag team title. Uh, and you had four teams in this, and oh my goodness... Uh, so, we had the Lucha Bros. We had La Faccion Ingobernable, consisting of Rush and Relistico. We had Top Flight, and we had Aussie Open. So, like, uh, three of these are people we've talked about. Uh, uh, sorry, I just got a notification, and I, it was very interesting to me. Um, Anyway, uh, so three of them are ones we've talked about frequently on this show because uh, those of you who don't remember Top Flight were both have had masked gimmicks in the past, including being Airwolf on MLW. So we've talked about them. Uh, obviously, the Lucha Bros and LFI we talk about a lot. Uh, and uh, oh, I missed one. I missed the Kingdom was also in this. There were five teams in here. Uh, the Kingdom from ROH, who were uh, also in here, and Matt Taven is uh, a, a CMLL favorite. They love him down in Mexico. Uh, anyway, uh, the Lucha Bros came out on top on this one. It was this. It was a, a, a amazing ladder match. And again, if you uh, have not seen any anything of this weekend, this is the card, and this is probably the match. It's going to have. Tons of the highlights. It's going to have tons of crazy things. Um, once again, the Lucha Bros are tag team champions for ROH, which is uh, it's going to be interesting because you know, we've been complaining for the better part of a year now that they just aren't doing much. So we'll see if this actually forces them to be more of a tag team and, and kind of in the tag team picture in both ROH and AEW. It'd be very interesting to see how they do this. And then the third match I want to feature from the Supercard of Honor uh, was for the Trios Championship, or Six-Man Championships, I'm sorry, that's what they call them in ROH, uh, which featured the Embassy defending against the team of Blake Christian, Metallic, and AR Fox. Uh, another amazing trios match with a little more of the ROH flavor to it. So those of you who are more familiar with that, it kind of focuses a little more on technicality, but kind of breaks down those spots into a little bit of craziness, which is the way that I, I like my matches to work. Um, the embassy wound up coming out on top on this one, but I didn't feel disappointed by that ending. I felt like it was a good enough match. And enough things were going on, and I really hope that we see more of this trio in the future. Uh, and then for the, probably the most talked about going into the weekend uh, card, we had uh, Gringo Locho, Locos, Gringo Loco, uh, World on Lucha. And this featured, top to bottom, a ton of uh, Lucha matches, because it's what the point was. Um... Uh, I would, of note, in addition to possibly seeing Roy Lucier, uh, also spotted in the audience by uh, Lucha Blog, was uh, Angel Garzo, Umberto Carrillo, and Cruz del Toro. So, uh, 
you know, the Lucha was being represented at this show no matter what. And I just found that, that to be a fun time that, that they, they were spotted there supporting their friends. Uh, so for our first match, we had, uh, kind of a scramble, uh, with Jack Cartwheel, El, El Mago, Willie Mack, Bobby Flacco, Jimmy Lloyd, and Shane Mercer. Uh, Jack Cartwheel came out on top on that. It was, you know, everything you would expect from kind of a GCW opener. It's crazy. People uh, were hitting each other with random things. Always good times. Uh, the women finally got in, involved in the weekend of Lucha here. We had Dolce, Tormenta, and Sexy Star in a match. Dolce, Tormenta came out on top on that. Uh, you had the tag team... You had so you had a lucha extremo match with uh, two tag teams that just wanted to hurt each other. I don't think there was any titles on the line or any pride or even much storyline. Just I really want to fight you and you want to fight me, so let's do this. And that featured the team of uh, Bestia Six 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 and Damian Six 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 against Ciclope and Medio Extremo. So. Uh, you know, you, if you are familiar with these two teams, I will once again point out that Ciclope and Medio Extremo were talked about a, a lot uh, going into lockdown when they were when uh, they were on cards uh, that we were able to watch a lot of because everybody went online. Uh, they are from a more hardcore in, indie style of lucha down in Mexico, and they you know. Fit right in with the Bestia and Damien. Uh, the only thing missing from this were barbecue skewers, and I feel like that's probably just because they weren't in stock in LA at the time. Uh, and then we had a match uh, with Aramis, Commander, and Rehorus against Ares, Black Taurus, and Latigo. Uh, I mean, those six names, you can't go too wrong with that. Uh, Ares, Commander, and Ray Arus came out on top on this one. But again, you have a lot of back and forth. You have some interesting stylings going on with, uh, with Ray Arus, uh, and, and Commander and Aramis being kind of a smaller, more high flying team. Well, Black Taurus and Latigo are kind of bigger guys who could base the other team. So, you know, if you know what you're looking for in this, there's a lot of really good stuff. If not, you're still going to see some crazy things. And it's uh, probably had the most interesting, crazy spots of the night. Uh, and then, um, let's see. So we had, and then we had Negro Casas against Tony Deppin, where Tony Deppin just immediately made the crowd hate him in the way that he does. And Negro Casas got to be... Uh, the, got to be a super popular guy and, and time and knots. And pe for once he got to hurt somebody and, and people cheered him for it. It's kind of, kind of the way that one went. Uh, Gringo Loco and Psycho Clown had kind of, they turned it last minute into a false count anywhere match. And the two of them just kind of, uh, continued to beat each other up. Although Gringo Loco did not do nearly enough damage to Psycho Clown for my taste. I really wanted to see Psycho Clown eat a few more cookie sheets and, have, you know, some chairs on the floor or whatever else they wanted to do. But 
super good match. Um, Gringo Loco got the win on this. It feels like that's setting up a third or fourth match down the line. So uh, I'm I'm not offended by that. Uh, and then uh, you had Vikingo once again wrestling. Uh, this time he was wrestling against Laredo Kid, which is uh, a matchup we would have expected in AAA not too long ago, but instead we're getting it right here in L.A. on a GCW card. And, again, I'm not super upset by that. Um, Vikingo came out on top on this one. I believe it was ostensibly for the AAA title, but I don't have that in my notes. Um, and then the cool thing that uh, I would like to, to point out, we have a listener who approached me, uh, El Arbito, uh, he's been talking to me about matches that are happening in Texas and and kind of North Mexico. Uh, one of the things he's, he wants to do is, is have more of those areas of the world or the, the, of Lucha covered. And he wants so, like, he's been sending me results. And he pointed out that uh, uh, after this event happened, uh, both uh, Negro Casas and uh, Psycho Clown got on a plane and flew out to Texas where they were on a card which uh, featured the main event featured Sam Adonis and Hernandez versus Psycho Clown and Negro Casas. Um, I don't have a positive winner on that yet. They think that Sam Adonis won this one but uh, uh, and I didn't get a confirmation yet or not on that. But so that's uh, out Mario Davila presentations uh, is bringing us Easter Lucha out in in Texas. So that that is my really long indie roundup. I uh, I'm just gonna just gonna take a breath now and let you guys do it. <laughs> take a breath. Yeah, uh, yeah. So overall, a very very busy week in LA, and that. Thank you, Brendan, so much for doing that whole run through of all the lucha action that happened over the weekend uh, with GCW, Ring of Honor and uh, different independent promotions in the in the L.A. area. It definitely was a good weekend to be a wrestling fan. Oh, and, and Texas. Texas had some yeah. Easter lucha, too, so which featured names again from the, the that flew right out. So that was Wanted to make sure they got credit for being the hard-working luchadors they are, even though it's Psycho Clown, and I, you know, have to say mean things about him, too. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and El Arpito uh, reached out as well, and I know he's, um, there's a show coming up, uh, I believe, in two weeks um, that we hope to get some results for. Um, so thank you so much for reaching out to us. We're really looking forward to getting some coverage, uh, from the Texas area. Uh, and I'm just really excited to, uh, expand our scope on the indie roundup because that's exactly, uh, why we have it is to be able to share about what's happening throughout the U.S., uh, in the world of Lucha Libre. So stay tuned for more to come. But again, thank you, Brendan. You you're definitely had a hard job this weekend with uh, with uh, keeping up to date with all of the independent shows happening. I, I, I would complain about losing sleep, but it was so much fun to watch all of this. <laughs> <laughs> 
It really, it really was. Uh, and don't forget, if you are a Lucha Libre fan, a wrestler, promoter, referee, photographer, uh, whatever role that you may have, uh, feel free to reach out to us for uh, information. We would love to share it on a future edition of the Indie Roundup. Uh, we love sharing more information about what is happening um, in the world of Lucha Libre. So make sure to reach out to us. Uh, and we got a lot more for you. So without further ado, we are going to, you know what that time is, kick it off to Denise Alcedo for this week's Lucha Central Central. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of LuchaCentral.com. On Tuesdays, Mass, Mats, and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at LuchaCentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday nights live, it's WrestleBoss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener call-ins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central weekly podcast, one in English y el otro en español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed. And please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love. For now, this is Denise Salcedo signing off from Lucha Central Central. Have a great week. Lucha-Masks.com by Pro Wrestling Revolution. Bringing you in partnership with Mask Republic, the Lucha Brothers, as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragon. Go to Lucha-Masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha legends and pro wrestling revolution luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite luchador. Get yours now at Lucha-Masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution.
And we are back with the second half of this week's Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. I told you we had a lot to cover, and boy, do we ever. Uh, and thank you so much, Brendan, uh, for covering the indie roundup in the first half. But we got the big boys uh, on the second half of the show. We are first going to kick off uh, with AEW, Dusty and Experience. I believe you got to see live. Yeah, I did. I was right there. If you watched it on TV, I was there jumping up and down, freaking out as Vikingo came down the entrance ramp. I was super excited. As you know, this match has been supposed to take place for a couple of years now. 2021 is supposed to be a Triple Mania match. It didn't happen. And then Kenny, uh, Kenny Omega was injured, so it was like this big deal. And then Vikingo won. Kenny Omega had been the AAA Mega Campion champion. And then he vacated it. Vikingo won. The belt was not on the line, but it made for an interesting matchup. And, oh, what a matchup. It was a fantastic match. It was all about these two guys just going out there and going nuts with one another. I mean, it was just one highlight move after another. Everything was something you wanted to see back. Everything was amazing. To see it in person, like I'd seen Vikingo on TV, to see Vikingo in person is, you just can't imagine. It, we talk about this on the show, that he defies physics, but in person, it literally, like your brain can't compute what you're seeing because it doesn't make sense. He is so fluid and effortless, 650 splash, all kinds of crazy stuff, just a fantastic match, maybe the best match that has ever been on Dynamite. Just truly, truly fantastic. They let Vikingo get all his moves in. He got all his offense in. It was, you know, really, really nice. Great match. Post-match, the Blackpool Combat Club interrupted to further their feud with the Elite and Kenny Omega. But Vikingo was smart. He got the hell out of there. He didn't stick around to fight. And... Great match. Vikingo proved finally on a national American stage where everybody could see that he is the best in the world at what he does. There were several people there live that weren't familiar with Vikingo or were only familiar with the name, and they just lost their minds during the match. Like It was crazy how excited the crowd was. It was maybe the hottest crowd I've ever been in was for that some of Vikingo's moves. Just the excitement was palatable. Wonderful match. Vikingo finally, I mean, we had a big WrestleMania weekend. This was before that, obviously, March 22nd, but a nice precursor to his WrestleMania weekend. And it just proved he's the best in the world at what he does again. And he did it so well. It looked great. He looked, he lost, but he looked incredibly strong. This is inevitably setting up a feud at Triple Mania where I think we see Vikingo win. Kenny Omega is probably the best wrestler in the world, at least in the contendership. Let me phrase it that way. He's in the contendership for the best current wrestler in the world. And to see somebody like that get to wrestle with Vikingo was really a dream come true, especially in person. The odds of that happening for me before a couple of weeks ago was nearly zero, but I did get the <laughs> chance to see it. Incredible. I also got to see Taya for the first time. I met Thunder Rosa. It, it was an incredible show, but truly the, the highlight was Vikingo versus Omega. Again, 
probably the best match that's ever aired on Dynamite. You should go and check it out. It's uh, insane that they gave away a match of this quality for free. You don't get to see this for free on TV anywhere. And it, yeah, if you are not familiar with Vikingo, if you haven't seen him yet, you absolutely need to go watch this because it shows everything he can do. It is a 17-minute highlight reel, and everything that you love about Vikingo is in that match. I highly, highly recommend it. And again, definite match of the year contender already. And like I say, strong contender for best Dynamite match of all time. So one of the cool things about this match that uh, we've is something that we've frequently complained about, and the skeptics were on there, where's the story? And we got the story, even though the match itself didn't have any a lot of buildup. There was a nice package that led to it, but uh, you know, recounting the history of a lot of what we've talked about. But they let the match be the match, and the story that led into it that had gave you tension was around around Kenny Omega and the Elite. Uh, but then, but then you had this wonderful match, and then you had that story sandwiching it. So uh, it it made it so that people will remember the the match just as much because he came out of this incredible match, and then the all the the storyline happened again. So uh, is all I felt like they did a. Since we've been very critical, I feel like we have to make sure we give them kudos when they do a good job. They they really wrote all that in really well, and I, I was a very entertaining evening of wrestling altogether. It really was. Yeah, it seemed like they dropped a lot of the serious stuff and just kind of let us be entertained for the night. And uh, like Brendan kind of mentioned, this was one of the – Dynamite had gotten kind of stale for a while. The booking was not where I enjoy it to be. But this felt like one of the old Dynamites, you know, when it was very hot, very exciting. So I hope they can maintain that momentum. A lot of cool stuff going on. Also, talk to Thunder Rosa for a minute at the show. She is recording an album. That is her next move. So Yeah, that's yeah. exciting. She's been sharing that. She's been one of the co-hosts of, of Busted Open for quite some time. And I know they did um, uh, uh, a live um, you know, uh, recording or uh, show um, in, in L.A. and talked about that. And I think even previewed a song or two from her album, upcoming album. Yeah, that's very exciting. Yeah, I'm excited for that. As a record collector, especially very excited. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. Uh, yeah, just a lot of positive things on the horizon for AEW. It feels more positive than it has in a while. Um, positive for, uh, you know, luchadors. I, I saw just today as we record this that Andrade did an interview where he talked about how he worked in AEW. He was still with AEW. <laughs> And uh, he was happy there, and that he was only out because of an injury to his pack, to his chest. That it wasn't because he might have punched Sammy in the face backstage or whatever. Well, it was definitely an injury, and and that he loves being there. I so. feel like he's been he it, that that holds true to a certain degree because uh, other people who have been in fight incidences since then or between the time he him and all of that have all come back. So. Uh, either something deeper is going on, and he just has an un, un, undeliverable differences, or what, I can't think of the phrasing on that. Or he really does have an injury, and they're just waiting on bringing him back. But yeah, it'll I, be interesting. I think it also ties into some of our WWE news that we'll touch on later. Um, <laughs> 
mean, you know, I think it's inevitable that we see some of that bubble up in AEW, but it's interesting. And I'm hoping that the kind of WWE news improves some of the AEW morale. We've seen that might have been an issue. And, but like I say, it feels like AEW is on the upswing again, really exciting things going on. And it feels important again for the first time in a little while, which is also very exciting. So I'm very optimistic towards AEW going forward. <laughs> well, we've been ending a little bit about the WWE news, but before we get into that, it was a very, very big week for Rey Mysterio. I mean, this was yeah. the week of his career. Yes. Um, I mean, let's, let's get into it, Dusty. I, wherever you want to start with this, cause there's a lot to unravel. <laughs> okay. First, we got to start with what is easily going to be the hottest wrestling shirt of the summer. Rey Mysterio reformed the Latino world order with Legato del Fantasma and he gave them all Latino world order t-shirts. Yes. And, yes. Oh, Shut up and, and then take my money. At WrestleMania, I don't believe they're online yet, but at WrestleMania, you could get Latino World Order shirts that instead of the Mexican flag, had the Puerto Rican flag. Correct. Yes. I've yes. been scouring the internet. <laughs> they are not posted on WWEshop.com, but someone had shared that with me on Sunday, and I legitimately have been scouring the internet since then. So I am hopeful that we will get them on the internet soon. Because I need those. I will buy them. I will buy multiple of them. I mean, <laughs> you have WrestleMania backlash happening in San Juan uh, on May 6th. So, of course, you would need Puerto Rican LWO t-shirts. Yes. Uh, but that, that whole thing was a pretty cool moment to have, yeah. you know, just to bring that back. And granted, yes, there's a lot of talk about they're just bringing it back because of, you know, going to Puerto Rico and having, you know, uh, and also, you know, the fact that you have WrestleMania in L.A., um, which is, uh, you know, stuff that I'm sure we'll get into a little bit, too. But also then why not? Um, and that's, it, yeah, that's you my know, big counter question. Why? What's wrong with with doing that? Yeah. Like, yeah, what, you know. Well, and uh, truly, Ray was the last member of the, L, the Latino World Order, the LWO, to wear the shirt. I don't know if you remember the WCW storyline, but they uh, – I believe it was Kevin Nash demanded – you know, he was an authority figure – demanded Ray take the shirt off. And Ray wouldn't. You know, like that was part of his gimmick. He kept up the shirt. He had to kind of wrestle his way in. He lost a match and didn't want to join, but Eddie got him to join. And they would give him a shirt that was like five sizes too big. They'd give him like a two, three or three XL. Do you remember that? He looked like he had a dress on. It was a hilarious yes. thing. Loved the Latino World Order, Ray Mysterio stuff. So he is the perfect guy to bring that up, but make it honorable now. The Legato del Fantasma tying into it. Zelina Vega, very cool. I Like I say, I guarantee you, those are going to be the hottest wrestling shirts of the summer. Mark my words. Those are the new Bullet Club shirts. You are going to see them everywhere this summer. Every show, you will see those Latino World Order shirts. Mm -hmm. Because Ray has got one of the hottest feuds going. It's truly second only to the Bloodline feud. And, you know, after WrestleMania, you might be fed up with that Bloodline feud. So maybe this is your new number one. And I love that, too. We'll touch more on that. But first... We had Ray inducted into the Hall of Fame. 
He is not retiring. He's not settling down. He's still going to be a full-time active competitor of the WWE, which is very rare for a Hall of Fame talent, but very cool. I love the idea of him being in the Hall of Fame, leading Legado del Fantasma, who are all about legacy and honor. The whole thing ties together. Ray leading the Latino World Order as his own faction. Like, so mm-hmm. much good stuff. But what we really have to talk about with the Hall of Fame was Conan. It was no small miracle that Conan was able to induct Ray into the Hall of Fame. And apparently Ray said Conan or no one. And that was how we got Conan. But much to everybody's surprise in the WWE, and and Ric Flair did an induction. They were not happy with Ric Flair, but they loved Conan. And truly, (laughs) Conan gave what I felt was one of the best induction, maybe the best induction speech of all time. He touched on why Ray is a trendsetter, why he's important, how he changed wrestling globally. And and Conan was there for a lot of this. Conan was lobbying for Ray in ECW. He was lobbying for Ray in WCW. He was the guy saying, you've got to check out these two guys, Ray Mysterio and Psychosis. Without Psychosis, Ray Mysterio would not be that Hall of Fame talent. Those early matches with Psychosis mm-hmm. were incredible. But to see Conan back in you know a WWE ring, to see him be himself, he was so calm and casual. It was just incredible. If you've been a longtime fan of Conan, kept up with him for years like we have, it was a really special moment. Special that he was able to share that with Ray. He and Ray are obviously very close. Ray was there when Conan was arrested at the, I believe it was the Padres game, some baseball game, or maybe it's a football game, but Conan was arrested for bringing in a bag that wasn't clear, and he kind of got into a fuss with the security guard and there's like selfies of Ray clowning for the selfies with Conan being arrested in the background. Like that's the kind of friends they are. So it was nice to see that special moment between them and they really got to bring that together and they played into the Dominic thing, the feud. Dominic gets up and walks out. But if you looked during the Hall of Fame, Dominic literally had tears in his eyes. The speech was that beautiful. Like, I didn't expect Conan to give a beautiful speech that really tugged at my heart, but he did. It was so good. And now that WWE's very high on Conan, maybe that speaks positively for some future Lucha Libre or some of his ideas. We saw Conan give them the ideas when they did the Buddy um, Murphy at the time, Buddy Matthews now, storyline against Seth Rollins and the, all of that with Aaliyah. Conan was a lot was, – he was basically the architect behind of it, not just a lot of the force behind it, but the guy behind it. And so maybe we'll see a little bit more of Conan's lucha mind in WWE. Maybe not. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> but afterwards, at the uh, at WrestleMania night one, we finally got Dominic versus Rey Mysterio. We saw a lot of strife with the family at the beginning of the match where Dominic refused to respect his family. Um, Angie and Aaliyah were there at ringside. It was just an incredible moment. WrestleMania night one was maybe the best WrestleMania of all time. 
WrestleMania Night 2 was not quite as good, but WrestleMania <laughs> Night 1 was fantastic. Ray rolled out in his entrance and a low rider, Snoop Dogg at the wheel. He did the Eddie dance. They had the Eddie music. It was just yeah. fantastic. Rolled, to set the, the page for those of you that are, uh, didn't see it yet, he rolled out in the low rider to Eddie Guerrero's music with the car bumping like Eddie did. And then, yeah. I mean, it was hard. I got emotional doing that, seeing that, because I knew what that that meant. Yeah, yeah. And for those of us that've watched for a long time, it was amazing. (laughs) I actually thought Dominic was going to come out with the Eddie entrance, you know, to be the ultimate heel. He did not. Really surprised me. His entrance was super cool, though. His entrance was cool, and then also (laughs) note his gear that was very intentional. His the gear that he wore. Yes. Yeah, his gear, we've talked about this before. The gear really makes the man. And when you saw, the, he, he pulls up in a paddy wagon oh. at, and the police get him out of the back. He's got this amazing gear on everything. It looks fantastic. He's got the mask on that Ray wore, the same mask that he wore against Eddie at WCW's uh, Halloween Havoc. Just Great, great stuff. Incredible stuff. At the end of the match, Dominic tries to sneak in a steel chain. Referee is distracted. But who comes to the rescue to snatch that steel chain? Bad Bunny. And so now Bad Bunny is aligned with the Latino world order. It was just fantastic. Ray was able to set Dominic up for a 619. Then he hit the frog splash. Picked up the win. I had not. Uh, I, I I I knew Ray was either going to win or he wasn't. Obviously, but I did not necessarily see him winning this match. At least not cleanly like that. It was just yeah. fantastic. And now I think we're going to see a very. We saw a petulant Dominic, but now I think we're going to see an angry Dominic. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the yeah. It, it's yeah, the but, only thing you can do. Yeah, it's the only thing you can do. I mean, it's obvious based on the post-match interviews that this feud is not over. No, which is, not by which a long is the shot, weirdness of doing a clean win at WrestleMania because that's usually how you end a feud. But whatevs, I'm yeah, I'm here it, for it. <laughs> it looks it looks like they're gonna you know at least from the results of or, or the the actions that happened on on Raw you know possible tag team match heading into Backlash you know Ray and uh Bad Bunny possibly teaming up against uh Dominic and um Damian Priest take my money uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited for that's, this that's yes i thought it was going to be one on one Dominic versus Bad Bunny and i actually kind of yeah. want to see that more personally um but i think you know it's playing it safe with you know, Bad Bunny may not have the uh, the skill set that a Logan Paul does, though it, <laughs> it pains me to say it. Yeah, it hurts me. It hurts me to say that. But it's but true. it also, yeah. Um, I mean, he's a natural athlete. athlete. Yeah, he's a great athlete, but he still needs that direction in the ring. Um, and also, why not? You know, I think the the more the merrier for a show like Backlash, which is truly going to be more of a spotty fest, you know, I think it's going to have elements of summer slam with the kind of grandiose and the outrageous. Um, and it also, it's not necessarily going to be a throwaway, but 
it's also it, it reminds me of SummerSlam because it's going to just be more you know funner matches. I think. Yeah, that's exactly what I think. And also, can you imagine how hot the crowd in Puerto Rico is going to be? They haven't had a pay per view or a big show in like twenty years. Oh yeah, you and know. the crowds and, in Puerto Rico are crazy excited. Yeah, anyway. even if even if they're booing Damian Priest, which they may or may not, I don't I don't know. You know, whatever that yeah. that looks like, it's still I'm going to be a to great see reaction. What they do with him, yeah, yeah. I, you know, so now that gets me fantasy booking. What if he changes over to LWO on that show? I don't oh think gosh. they're gonna. Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah. think they're gonna jeopardize the Judgment Day. Though, uh, to be fair, well, so hot. To be fair, yeah. Damian Priest is like the least needed member of the Judgment Day right now. Right. Absolutely. Even right. Dom has a higher place on the Judgment <laughs> Day than Damian Priest. <laughs> yeah, he's like their unofficial leader. Yeah. Dom, yeah. Dom actually yeah. had better placement like, than Finn Balor. So. Yes. <laughs> yes. Does. At this point, you know. So. Which is which I, is why I I think it's uh, it it became a possibility in my head that I was. That's fair. Was, that's also you know. fair. Um. Who knows? I I don't I don't know. But um. Yeah. It's a very interesting setup now that they're making towards uh backlash. Yeah. And also uh, a very important update, uh, the Puerto Rican LWO shirts are now on <laughs> WWShop.com, which I have oh ordered during this conversation. Yeah. I, I have, uh, so go to WWShop.com. They are listed as LWO shirt. Uh, does it mention the Puerto Rican flag? But it's very obviously red, white, and blue after the Puerto Rican flag. So uh, I just ordered mine right now. Uh, very excited to have a different nationality flag on the LWO uh, T-shirt because in, in some ways it was truly adopted by a lot of Latinos, not just Mexicans. Yeah. And that would be a very fun marketing tool. You know, if you're trying to mm-hmm. get uh, something that you can literally change colors for and sell all over the world having Latino world order shirts of different Latino countries is yes. money. <laughs> yeah. Like a Colombian, a Venezuelan, uh, a Brazil, you know, like yeah. uh, literally you just change a few colors and you, you know, sell it and you're, you're golden. In addition, just because I, I love this shirt, there's uh, a couple of really nice Latino heat shirts that they put up after this weekend too. So, Oh, Yes, yeah, and I think they also have a really cool Ray uh, T-shirt in celebration of his Hall of Fame induction. I haven't found um, it yet, but I'm sure that exists. I think it's the one he he was wearing um y- yesterday on Raw. That would make sense. Very cool. But yeah, that's our WrestleMania news, which is obviously huge and crazy, but. Speaking oh, of huge, yeah. If you thought that was huge, and but crazy, wait, there's more. So much more. So for the first time ever, WWE is not owned by a member of the McMahon family. They sold the company or sold WWE, the WWE company, to a different company named Endeavor, the Endeavor Group Holdings Company. They also hold the UFC. 
So now we've got an alleged rapist and an alleged wife beater running two companies under the same umbrella. Very exciting, I oh, guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's that is not where I was expecting it to be framed right yeah, away. Yeah, yeah, that was. Oh, that, or, I did not... or, or how about this one? We finally have Gomez and Uncle Fester back together. Oh wow! If you haven't seen it, Vince McMahon has a 1940s pedophile mustache now, and has dyed his hair black. I just thought he was Vince McMahon Evil's twin. <laughs> he or he was win. the evil uh, owner of a, a railroad company. Yes, uh, he looks like yes. Whiplash or something. Yes! <laughs> he also looks like uh, your average telenovela villain, so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Like John Waters <laughs> on steroids. Seriously. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Or a more or less creepy John Waters, depending on your, you know, what you prefer. <laughs> it depends how you, what you find creepy. <laughs> depends what you find creepy. Agreed. But yeah, huge, huge news. The new Endeavor Holdings company is going to be renamed $21 billion towards global live sports and entertainment. They, in that valuation, UFC is valued at $12 billion. WWE has a valuation of $9.3 billion. I mean, that is just ridiculous. Endeavor will have 51% controlling interest. WWE shareholders will have 49% interest. But despite retiring as WWE chairman, CEO, and head of WWE Creative back in July due to a, you know, kind of a accused rape sex scandal. McMahon has now come back to the new company. First, he came back in January as part of the board of directors. Everybody knew the company was going to be for sale. Rumors really ramped up right before WrestleMania night two on Sunday. The booking Sunday night was not quite what people expected. So it really turned things around to to make people realize Vince McMahon was in charge. He was reelected executive chairman. Um, he's back. He's back in charge of everything, creative, everything. His exact words were that he wasn't going to be out in the weeds again. But those were the exact same words that he used when he hired Bischoff and Paul Heyman to run SmackDown and Raw. And Bischoff literally never did anything except sit at catering. So, well, I mean, in fairness, um, for those that don't know, he didn't have time to do much of anything. Like, I've heard Bischoff's story on it. I've heard the, the WWE story on it. The truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. But Bischoff's version is that he was in the middle of trying to relocate his whole house and his yeah, life. Yeah, because he was in Wyoming <laughs> at the time. And he was yeah. trying to relocate to Connecticut. And and uh, he just didn't do it fast enough for Vince's liking and wound up getting bounced back to Wyoming before he could sit down and actually do any work. Like on the show, because all of his work was trying to get himself situated, and that just yeah. happened. And that, to me, that that's ring pretty true because that was during kind of the height of Vince McMahon's um, very all over the place stuff, where the booking was all over the place. You yes. would get weird three week pushes sometimes, or or you know somebody who won last week big and you're thinking it was going to happen would just disappear. You know, I mean, it was, yeah. Yeah, and Vince is 77 years old now and has clearly lost the touch that he had 
at one time with storyline and creative. Ostensibly, Triple H is still in charge of creative. He went did a talent meeting, said he was still in charge of creative. He came out and opened the Raw after WrestleMania, which was one of the worst Raw after WrestleManias in a while. And But he opened that and said that he was still in charge and nothing was going to change. And if you know WWE, when they tell you over and over nothing's going to change, things are fixing to change. <laughs> so that was a harbinger of doom for me. I, I was not thrilled when I saw that. And it, it really played – as soon as Shane McMahon came out at WrestleMania Night 2, I was like, mm, Vince is back in charge. I just knew it. And it's clear that that's how it's played out. A lot of talent are allegedly unhappy. Bailey is one of those talents. Seth Rollins has been named as a talent that's unhappy with how things are going, which is very interesting because he was seen as a company man before. Becky was allegedly, Becky Lynch was allegedly unhappy. A lot of turmoil in WWE. A lot of fans are really unhappy that Vince is back in charge. Go ahead. I do. We do need to cl- clarify on this. Uh, officially, Vince is not in charge, but it in looks, charge of creative, right? Of creative, but it looks so much like he's in charge of creative. It's yeah. Uh, and so we, we, again, I want to have. I, I understand where you, everybody's coming from on this, but I want to make sure we're covering this. Officially, Vince McMahon is only oversight for creative, and Triple H is supposed to be doing things. But to Dusty's point. Monday night's episode of Raw looked so much like a Vince McMahon episode that it's hard to believe that that, that's true. Yeah, it it really (laughs) felt like a regression from what we had seen lately. And I I tell you, it had really picked up in quality lately. I had kind of gotten out of the habit of watching WWE and would only watch the matches that interested me instead of the whole program. But lately I really, especially, you know, like post Royal Rumble up to now, um, I have not missed an episode of WWE TV. My wife even got real into it again, which is unusual for her. She was very excited and tied into it, but it, it, it was genuinely improving. But Monday night was so bad. And and everybody was like, what's up with that? Everything online, the chatter, it was it, – it felt like everybody let the air out of the balloon when Cody lost on Sunday night. And it, they never regained their momentum, and instead they just kind of doubled down on the weirdness. And there wasn't a whole lot of actual wrestling for the Raw after WrestleMania. Just strange yeah. things. We were and, back to having uh, eight minutes of wrestling in the first hour. Yeah, it's just mm, disappointing compared to – and like I say, WrestleMania night one, the first Saturday night, may be the best WrestleMania ever. If they had maintained that kind of momentum into night two, easily would have been the best WrestleMania of all time. But which is didn't. Which is weird because night one on paper was going to be your light and fluffy night, your – Hollywood stars here, you know, you had your Logan Paul matches, you had your, I mean, yeah. yes, you know, you, and night two, you had a bunch of like what looked like they were going to be brawls or hard hitting matches and technical matches. And, and instead you got things that were like that, but didn't hit the hit expectations the way that you wanted it to. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Disappointing on the the follow up, 
and Brock Lesnar was supposed to wrestle for the first time in like 20 years on Raw. Uh, first tag match since 2005 or 2006 in Japan. Big deal. He was going to team with Cody Rhodes against the the Usos. And instead, we didn't get our match. Brock did not wrestle on Raw. Of course, he turned on Cody before the match even started. That felt like Vince. Brock was in such a good mood Sunday and Monday. I was like, hmm. Yeah. It's unusual. <laughs> it was, uh, it was, uh, Roman and Solo Sokoa was. Oh, the... Roman's, I'm sorry, you're correct. Yeah. I couldn't remember and just grasped at the first. No, and it, yeah. And, and it's because, because of that, that it was actually an interesting thing to me and made me wonder what, because to Dusty's point about the show being interesting, the bloodline has been a huge part of driving my interest level in the product back up. Yes. And that, that on paper, when they first announced it, was going to further that storyline in a very interesting way. And then they they did a swerve, and I'm not sure... I have no idea what's going to happen next, and I'm not sure that I care anymore. Yeah, I don't know that I do either. My level of interest in the bloodline has gone down considerably. I'm still really into Dominic versus Ray. That's playing out, but my <laughs> yep. hopes for it are low. I, I feel like Vince being back in charge is why we saw that interview with Andrade where he talked about how happy he was in the <laughs> EW. Yeah. That, I, with that context, yeah, I just think we're going to see a lot of that. Where he's like, yeah. I'm glad I dodged that bullet and didn't go back to that uh-huh. company. <laughs> well, and, and that's, we, that's the conversation I, w- I was thinking we might need to have. I don't know if you still have more you want to do, but what does no, that No, that's like what, what I was going to touch on was yeah. the – Despite all the positive things, Conan at the Hall of Fame, things like that, Vince being in charge is not a positive thing for Lucha Libre. It's not a positive thing for women's wrestling. It's very disappointing in general for me as a wrestling fan because those are two things I really enjoy. But, yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of talent that are – Miro, for instance, who was backstage at Ring of Honor this weekend, mm-hmm. apparently has less to complain about. The idea of going to WWE or using it even as leverage, I think, is much less attractive. FTR in their championship match, loser, or if they lose, they leave AEW forever. I have a feeling they don't lose this week. You know what I mean? I, I think they were a more thinking about that until this happened we'll see yeah 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 they uh, were going to leave now now they're yeah. gonna stay <laughs> probably yeah, yeah now bald ftr is gonna say i'm sorry i was just i was just kayfabe and y'all let me shoot you straight tony khan is a great man he's like a father to me <laughs> you know that's what's gonna happen <laughs> Miranda, well, you, you watch a lot of the product uh, wwe so well, uh, there's, there's a joke I want to say later though, uh, has, has, goes back to the Hall of Fame that I forgot to, to say. Um, but, uh, you know, I agree that this is not necessarily a good thing for Lucha Libre. I know we'll talk a little bit about, um, NXT towards the end of the show, but that was a big thing of a big, um, signing for WWE in the post Vince era was Dragon Lee. Um, and signing someone from the independent scene, um, and even the plans for NXT internationally. So this really puts that into perspective or in jeopardy. 
Um, I do think that there, Triple H said something very interesting in the presser after night two of WrestleMania about, you know, storytelling. And you never, you know, you don't always know. You can always say that it could have been better if we've done this or that. And you, and you don't know because you never go down that road less traveled. But I do think that there's an element of them that are high on storytelling now, but maybe focus too much on long-term storytelling without understanding the fan base and understanding that fans, yes, can definitely gravitate towards long-term storytelling, but that's why wrestling, just kind of like in soap operas, is cyclical because you have to end stories to tell another one. And maybe that's kind of what happened at WrestleMania, that some elements of, of the Bloodline story and the Cody story were, you know, one chapter closed, the next is rolling kind of the same thing with uh, the Mysterio family. But if you don't have a sense of closure, it's hard to start that next chapter. And I think that's the difference between the parallels we're seeing with the bloodline versus the Mysterios is that with the Mysterios, there was a little bit sense of finality with Ray winning, even though he didn't need to win. Um, I think he, it could have won worked even with Dominic winning, but there was a finality with that. And moving on to the next chapter of that story in comparison to the bloodletting Cody Rhodes where you did have an end of that chapter and and now the story is kind of routed off in two different directions with the bloodline drama happening and Cody now doing his own thing. And I think fans seem to be more inept to the Mysterio storyline format because you're still following along it's just another chapter of where they're going. So, and and who knows if they're going to leave that alone now to, you know, how the creative is going to look for that as well. Um, so that's another storyline that I think really was starting to grow and take some subtle elements of the bloodline storyline, but now who knows what kind of direction it could go into. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the bloodline is going to be one of the more interesting storylines going forward. So much of that was under Vince. And so that being part of what we liked, maybe it won't be as bad as we think. I don't know. Very exciting and interesting things going on at any rate for WWE lately. Well, my quick joke was, uh, during the Hall of Fame ceremony, Ray talked about Conan and his great, his, his, his gratitude towards Conan. And he said that him and Angie had a, a joke, uh, running, you know, saying in the house is that you first think, you think God first for everything and second you think Conan. And that really made <laughs> me think about, you know, on the Lucha Central Weekly podcast, we think God first and then we think Ruben Zamora and Kevin Klein rock second. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> that's, that's, those are our Conans don't, Ruben and Kevin Don't let Kevin hear you say stuff like that He'll make you eat his <laughs> cheese sandwiches Ruben well, will save us from the cheese sandwich <laughs> Yeah, Ruben will save us from the cheese sandwiches And you know you know that too We we bribe uh, Ruben with Whataburger and, and even And even Klein Rock with Whataburger as well oh, yeah, no, we, we bribed him with uh, Jack in the Box when he was here Ooh. We were at a taco festival, and I was like, should we get some tacos? He's like, I think I saw a Jack in the Box. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yes, Ruben is easily uh, persuaded so by uh, Whataburger, 
Jack in the Box, possibly pizza. Same, like I said, same thing with Klein Rock. I haven't hung out as much as Klein Rock, but you know, those are, uh, those are just, uh, that, that's how we think, you know, uh, our, our, uh, heads of the table on the Lucha Central Weekly podcast. First God, then Kevin and Ruben. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's more or less true. <laughs> true. Well, that's a lot to unravel. A lot to still remains, remains to be seen, uh, on WWE television. We do have Friday Night SmackDown, uh, will remain to, to be seen. Of course, WrestleMania Backlash coming up in just a few weeks and the continued news that's going to be, uh, shared and overall, you know, the, the fallout of the WWE sale to Endeavor, uh, we'll just continue to see. So. Make sure to stay tuned to the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast because we are going to keep you covered. Up next, we're going to go south of the border, and we're going to start off with AAA. Dusty and Brendan, you both have some news on the AAA Monterey card. Yeah, the card for AAA, Triple Mania, Monterey. That's Triple Mania 31, Part 1, Chapter 1, whatever they want to call it. Triple Mania 31 in Monterey. They, they released the card, and it is very exciting. First up, we have a cage match where the losers advance into an Apuestas match. Laredo Kid versus Antifaz Del Norte versus Octagon Jr. versus Viano 3 Jr. versus Arginas versus Mysticis Jr. versus Aerostar versus Parca Negra versus Abismo Negro Jr. versus Taurus. A cage match. The last two, whoever the last two are in the match, the losers then go on to an Apuestas match later in the show. Very exciting. All of those are big names, recognizable masks. If you saw pictures of, if you don't have a mental image of them already, if you saw pictures, you would recognize all of these guys. Drillistico was originally announced to be in this match. That was a very exciting possibility because that's a very good looking family, but he was replaced it's also uh, a super cool mask. Oh, yeah, very <laughs> cool. One of the coolest I've seen in a long time. I, I don't know if you all have noticed this, but new masks that come along and grasp your attention are few and far between. But Drillistico had legitimately one yes. of the coolest masks I've ever seen. That mask is money. And I am so glad he's not in this match. He was exactly. replaced by Abismo Negro Jr. Great news there. Then next up, we have the Copa Triple Mania. It's going to be an intergender Copa. Luchador Sapresa versus Baby Extreme versus Flammer versus Toscano versus Zorro versus Aries versus Dave the Clown versus Lady Shawnee versus Latigo versus Negro Casas. Like, what a lineup. I want to so get this... I'm trying to get this straight in my head because I, when you first started, I was going to get ready to talk about Baby Extreme and how uh, they are one of the big up-and-coming people from, from the North, and I'm excited to see yes. them. But then you have that bookmarked with Negro Casas on the other end. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? <laughs> right? What a lot. And in a Copa Triple Mania. Like, yeah. 
that we had heard a few rumblings that they were going to start taking the Copas very seriously, that they were going to have consequences. They were going to be a big deal. They were going to have meaning. This is the first sign we've had that that's probably true. The talent in this is just stacked. Um, Latigo, uh, somebody like Dave the Clown, he's not a huge name, but you can depend on him. And he, he's a great bass. He does great things. Very excited. And then, of course, the Luchador Supresa could be another big name we've seen with Negro Casas, Lady Shawnee in there. They're not afraid to throw some big names in it this year. Could also be friend of the show, Mr. Iguana. I have not seen him listed on the card, so he should get to be on there somewhere. Maybe he'll win that Copa Triple Mania. He'd be a good addition to that. Um, and, and take him yeah. seriously this time. Not not do the joke, but like a serious Mr. Iguana. Ass whooping Mr. Iguana. <laughs> Busting out the judo. I don't I don't know that we're I don't want to say ever. I don't think we're at the point where we're going to see the super serious Mr. Iguana. He's still but very maybe it could popular. Be like an alter ego, super iguana. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like yeah. a hurricane. Yeah. yeah. That's comes in with judo and Yeah. Choking people out, busting heads. I mean, I would be all in for that one. Very cool. And then afterwards, maybe he doesn't know what he did. He's got amnesia. Yeah. I don't want to write the story, but it's yeah. pretty good. Yeska smacks him with a brick. Yes, that. yes, that's what it is. When he's separated from Yeska, he turns into super iguana, and he becomes an ass whooping machine. And then when he gets Yeska back, he's all normal and acts like Mr. Iguana. Acts like the Mr. Iguana we know in a door. Yes. It's like the reverse of an evil ventriloquism dummy, and it's an amazing story, and if they don't use it, I will be disappointed. <laughs> anyway, next up, we have a quarterfinal in the Guerrera de Rivalidades, Alberto El Patron and Pentagon Jr., who are ostensibly feuding, although we haven't seen any public feuding between them. Versus Psycho Clown and Sam Adonis, who obviously hate each other's guts. Sam's Very... already teasing it on that he's going to turn on, on <laughs> Psycho Clown on social media. He's like, this looks like it's a tag team match, but really it's me against all of these guys. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like, <laughs> Brock Lesnar don't have shit on Sam Adonis. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> We felt this coming for a very long time. I've been, I've, Brendan's I've, invested. I'm very invested, and, and I've been very vocal with my record on that. That's that they're going to lose this match because Sam's going to turn on Psycho. <laughs> it's really just a question of how long it takes. Talk about some betting odds. Yeah. Very interesting. Very exciting. Looking forward to that. And then next up, we have our celebrity match of the night, Chessman versus Monterey TV show host Adrian Marcello. We mentioned before, this is kind of, uh, they've played it as legitimate, but it, it's obviously been set up for quite some time. This is the same guy that Angel Garza put through a styrofoam desk and then claimed it was real, like, they just had a styrofoam desk candy, I guess. Anyway, cool I mean, you spot. don't have one in your back room, Dusty? No, I'm afraid that Angel Garza will come throw me through it. <laughs> I, I heard can't there's a man it. with a styrofoam desk around here. Yeah. Coming for that desk. 
<laughs> but this is very cool for Chessman. We've seen him in AAA for years, but for him to get the celebrity match shows that he's really become one of the guys. He's a made man now in Lucha Libre. He's reliable. They know he's good draw. Yeah. They know he's good hand. Yeah. Well, and sometimes the most important thing you can be in any job is dependable. Sometimes they use you and take advantage of you, and you're not used in the position you should be. But sometimes you're recognized for being dependable, and you get a really great spot or get to do something special. And all the TV news, especially in Monterey, is going to be about Chessman versus Adrian Marcello. He doesn't really transfer to the United States, but he's huge on social media in Mexico. This is going to be huge for Chessman personally as much as it is for AAA and for Triple Mania. I was tr- I've been trying to think of like a good comparison for him. Very exciting. Okay. Yeah. And then next up we have our this match between the two losers of the opening cage match. It will be mask versus mask, Apuestas. Uh, you know, loser is unmasked and will reveal their identity. Very cool. The next up, we have Vikingo, the AAA Mega Campion Champion, in a AAA Mega Campion Championship match versus a mystery opponent. And we mentioned that Kenny Omega could... Be a possibility, but this, of course, is taking place Sunday, April 16th, only a couple of weeks after WrestleMania weekend, and they, you know, Kota Ibushi's around, and he would be a really, really interesting choice, too. So there's a lot of cool stuff that could happen with this Vikingo match. I am super excited to see who they announce. They may draw it out and tease us with the mystery until the night of the show, until the match happens. I, I think they're gonna, I, yeah. I, if they haven't yeah, announced I think, it by now, they're gonna they're gonna wait until night of, and, and we're just gonna have the big, exciting, yeah, big reveal. Interest. I yeah. I am very excited about that. I think it's going to be an exciting name, you know, <laughs> perhaps on the global scale, but I think definitely on an international, at least a U.S. name, if not a more global name. And then finally, what what they're saying right now, at least, is our main event. We have Blue Demon Jr. and DMT Azul, who is basically bootleg Blue Demon Jr., and they have legitimately <laughs> hated each other for years. I think it's a one-way hatred, really. Well, yeah, Blue Demon Jr. I think DMT Azul actually looks up to Blue Demon Jr. But Blue Demon Jr. has hated DMT Azul. He left CMLL, and they had all this stuff for, like, Leyenda de Azul and all this kind of Blue Demon merchandise. And they're like, what do we do? So they gave DMT Azul the, the Diamante Azul, the Blue Diamond gimmick. Which was literally just bootleg Blue Demon Jr. and, and it really pissed Blue Demon Jr. off. Uh, <laughs> made him mad at CMLL to this day. To this As day. He was mad. Yeah. And, and he hated DMT Azul, who is now, or Diamante Azul, who's now DMT Azul. So a lot of heat between them, which is interesting. And then the other team that they're facing, and this is what really makes it a main event tag team match. This is what elevates it above the Kingo, above the Apoestus match. We have tagging together L.A. Park and Rouge. This is one of the Guerrero. Who have been trying to make an Apoestus match happen for years. For years! For years! (laughs) 
and and like I, I I honestly think we're gonna see if it if they go to the final. I think we see Roosh lose that beautiful curly hair because I don't think Triple A's got L.A. Park mask money. He. <laughs> That's a good point, but like, but do they also have like Roosh losing hair money because that's also infringing I, I just, on that yeah. on that U.S. look too, uh, and. Unless someone got a whole lot of money, you know, I can't. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to think about Roosh losing his hair. But like, you identify Roosh with his hair. It's it's the, the this AAA is the only one that can really pull to to Dusty's point about the money, uh, or or the enough prestige and exposure to make it worth their while. This is the only company that could. I mean. AEW could conceivably do it on a money basis, but they wouldn't get the exposure. WWE wouldn't touch it because it's just two luchadors, and nobody, as far as Vince is concerned, nobody cares. So, I mean, it's only AAA that could do it. So, I think I think they're going to dig deep in their pockets and get the money to make it so somebody loses something. <laughs> I, I really think that's our main event at the end of all of this is L.A. Park versus Rouge. I, I think that's your big money. I think I think you are all, all right on target with that. I think that's that's. And I also think we still see a singles match between between Psycho Clown and Sam Madonna. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, those are really the two hot feuds that you know we're seeing in this, and I think that's going to be where the money is. I mean. I would pay good money for L.A. Park versus Roosh and in a place to smash. Because how do you pick who wins? Roosh is so identifiable by the hair, but L.A. Park, he's getting a little older. But, I mean, how do you think of him without the mask, without the skeleton suit? Well, I mean, yeah, it's so iconic to him that he reinvented himself after he lost the La Parca gimmick. Yes, yeah. It came back harder and meaner and stronger and bigger. Like, if you watch some of those old WCWs, you realize it's the same guy. But when you see his body now and back then, you're like, oh, my God, that man got big. I mean, like, he is – I mean, back then he looked like he could fight you. Now he looks like he can kill you. Yeah, he, he looks like he's ready to just like rip Like he just ripped off. you apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so maybe he could make that work. I mean, tough old bastard is a cool gimmick. And I think he could make that work, maybe. But the mask is so iconic, and yeah, just very, very exciting. I we always talk about how the first Triple Manias, you know, kind of whets your appetite for the following Triple Manias. But this is really as good as any Triple Mania when you think about the implications and the development and how it's going to go it obviously whets our appetite for the next two uh one in tijuana one in mexico city but the quality of the matches negro casas and the the copa la park and roosh teaming together roosh was originally supposed to team with pagano and then pagano was kayfabe injured and everybody's like what's up with this this is strange this injury is weird well it was to write pagano off so that la park could join Roosh, much more interesting tag team, much more interesting story. It really shows a strong investment in, like, their – not their international presence, but that is implied too. But they are making a strong showing for Mexico on this card, and they are really representing Mexico. But So that's the one thing about the Luchador Supreza – uh, in the uh, in the the title match too, the, the, when you're looking at this in the billing and the possibility of of Roosh and L.A. Park, uh, 
it could just be a really big name in Mexico. Like, you know, it could mm-hmm. be, you know, it could be a, a, another living legend. Uh, it could, you know, it could be, it could be somebody from AAA that has been gone for a while. It could be somebody that's switching companies that we just don't know about yet. I mean, because uh, while I agree that it would be awesome for us as American fans to have a big North American name, uh, with as focused as this is on drawing all eyes on Mexico on it, it could, they could just be really hyper focused on, on this one being, uh, for Mexico and then kind of working from there. Well, and I think that's what makes it special too. I mean, we're seeing some really special lineups and, and again, mm-hmm. you know, the cage match, the Copa. I, I think that the fact that they're aiming for a more Mexico-centric audience or a Mexico-centric reaction is benefiting us, <clears throat> excuse me, as Lucha fans compared to maybe the average casual fan. I don't think there's any such thing as a casual fan anymore. What, but uh, not for Lucha. Let's, I mean, exactly yeah. because of yeah. the investment involved. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. a personal investment. Not even financial, but the personal investment. You have to know what you're looking for. You have to know where to find these things. And, and so that's, I think that that's why people are listening to us. Absolutely. So thank you. Thank you for your investment. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there now. Uh, and thank you for supporting us and, and helping, uh, create this, this interest in it. Because yeah, I, I agree. There's not a casual fan anymore. There's a Lucha yeah. fan. <laughs> and, and by catering to the Mexican fans, they're catering to us Lucha fans without yeah. realizing it, even though we're international. And so that makes it feel special, makes it feel important. I'm really looking forward to this. Again, it's uh Sunday, April the 16th from the Estadio de Baseball Monterrey at Monterrey, Nuevo Leon, Mexico. And very exciting. It will be on Fight TV. I'm not sure how much it is or Fight App, whatever it's called. Uh, it will be 14 to 19 based on their previous part pricing. Yeah, so. but that's a, that's a steal for the cards we just ran down. Very yeah. cool. Very excited. You get an Apoistus match in there. Great stuff. So we'll have the review afterwards. We'll probably hype it up again next week with any new information. But very exciting Triple Mania ahead on the 16th. Right. I believe that's all of our AAA news, correct? Yes. That's all correct. Right. I just we want to started, make sure. We started the night with, oh, we don't have much, and it turned into this giant discussion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's transition to our CMLL news with Brendan. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to do, in comparison to that, this is going to be very brief. Uh, CMLL had recently had uh, the... Arena Coliseo's 80th anniversary card. So this is, uh, not the, uh, not the big arena, but I mean, it's still 80th anniversary of the building that has hosted Lucha Libre. For those of you who haven't heard us say it a million and one times, CMLL is the oldest still functioning wrestling federation in the world. And this is proof of it because they have Lucha exclusive arenas down in Mexico that are, that are owned by CMLL. And one of these had an 80th anniversary. So, come on. Uh, so, uh, just, you know, real quick here. We had Shocker Sito and Ultimate Dragon Sito against Mercurio and Minos in an opening bout. Uh, Shocker Sito and Ultimo Dragon Sito got the win on that. 
Uh, we have had a ladies' match with La Yarochita, Uvia, and Princess Sugihit against La Catalina, Stephanie Vacker, and Zuxis. Uh, the uh, La Jaratita, Uvia, and Princess Sugihit came out on top on that. Uh, you had... Uh, you had a... Uh, Tarnio Nueva Generation. So this is all the young up-and-coming guys. So you had Ray Samurai, uh, Crixus, Angel Rabide, Max Star, Tonali, Brilliante Jr., Hijo de Stuka, oh, Hijo de Stuka Jr., uh, Vaquero Jr., Multi, and Neon, all in, in a traditional CMLL kind of, uh, <clears throat> I don't remember the phrasing. It's a, their tournament style where they have a little bit of a Royal Rumble and then or a rumble, and then the uh, the last couple actually wrestle a match. So we had uh, Ray Samurai and Kruxus is the last two. Ray Samurai came out with the win on this, but I mean, again, these are just this is just an exciting match, and I love that that's kind of an old and new sort of matchup where you've got the tournament for the new young guys at an 80th anniversary show. Um, and then we had a six-man match with some names you'll recognize. Atlantis, Blue Panther, Octagon against Felino, uh, Satanico, and Virus, with uh, Atlantis's team coming out on top. And then we had uh, Angel de Oro, Mystico, and Sobranario Jr. against Averno, Templario, and Volador Jr. Uh, this was uh, set up as a Relivos Incredibos, which was trying to, is trying to set up some feuds. It looks like uh, Mystico is trying to create some some ongoing storyline here, but I don't have a lot of because I don't get to watch CMLL unless uh, I can see it live, and I can't watch live much these days. So I'm just trusting people's other people's notes. So thank you to everyone who's sending me CMLL notes at this point, or and Lucha Blog, who I've also uh, been known to take notes from CMLL on. So, but that's our CMLL update. Just a quick little anniversary show. I mean, tiny little thing. What's 80 years, right? <laughs> say, shout out to uh, uh, to uh, Lucha Blog. They the real MVP. <laughs> it's true, yes. Lucha Blog yeah, constantly puts up way more results than I think is humanly possible. <laughs> Very much appreciated. Yeah, he's a real gift show. to the Lucha community. <laughs> yes, your gift. Okay, so first is God, then it's Kevin, then Ruben, and then third is Lucha Blog. <laughs> yes. I'm That's how with this. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay I with this. this. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we, we count our blessings here on the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast household. So we have we have an order. But uh, thank you, Brendan, for uh, that roundup for CMLL. We definitely do try and cover the whole landscape as best as we can, even if it's just a few moments, because, again, there is so much to cover. So. Thank you so much, Brendan. We have two more stories left for you. Very quick. And here's where I come in. We uh, go into some NXT because I have not been talking about NXT very much 
for quite some time, but some quick results from Stand and Deliver that happened this past Saturday. Uh, the show opened with the women's ladder match for the NXT Women's Championship, Roxanne Perez versus Gigi Dolan, Tiffany Stratton, Lyra Valkyrie. Uh, Indy Hartwell and Zoe Stark all competed in that match. Um, Roxanne Perez was announced as the last person in that match. Um, as something that we were, you know, suspicious of she was even going to compete or not. Um, a pretty big surprise, I would say, Indy Hartwell winning the match, climbing up the ladder to, uh, get the championship and become the new NXT women's champion uh we hadn't seen roxanne in a very lengthy reign we you know knew as far as the transition from mandy rose to roxanne perez uh you know we had a feeling it was going to happen but it happened pretty suddenly when when mandy rose left um roxanne had a, a few um title defenses in that time frame um but then was written out of storyline uh, a few weeks ago um and so for her to come back we thought this was going to be you know her moment to kind of reclaim her spot but um indy hartwell winning um we haven't seen much of Roxanne Perez since then but there's already kind of a line of, of challengers coming in for Indy Hartwell so you know as we kind of talked with uh, about Wrestlemania kind of turning the, the story over this is definitely a popular time in WWE in general where these next chapters are, are happening but it is interesting to see what happens with what will happen with Roxanne Perez I mean this also has been a notable timeline for several years where we used to see people kind of graduate from NXT to WWE. That was definitely not the case um, on this past Monday's Raw. Who knows if that means, you know, we'll see her on SmackDown or if, you know, we're waiting for her to come back to NXT. But um, a pretty I would say a pretty big surprise. I, I kind of thought um, after some of the other title attempts and matches Indy Hartwell had has had, you know, and that maybe the ship kind of sailed on her. But it looks like it's just kind of beginning. So big congratulations to Indy Hartwell and a really great ladder match for the women. Um, not to be outdone, we had a five-way for the NXT North American Championship. Wesley defended against Axiom, Elo uh, Dragunov, uh, J.D. McDonough, and Dragon Lee. Um, this was just the second NXT match for Dragon Lee, his first televised. And uh, I would say one of my favorite parts of this match was really towards the beginning where we had kind of three-way action between Axiom, Dragon Lee, and Wesley. Um, that was very quick, very, you know, indie spot fest, and Dragon Lee really looked his best in that uh, sequence with all three of them. But, you know, to be honest, I would say probably one of the wrestlers who stood out the most in this match was Axiom. Um he had a really uh, an amazing pace in this match, really great agility. He seemed to go with anybody, um, and I think he was kind of a shining star. But overall, Dragon Lee had such a great turnout in this match. I got a little emotional seeing his entrance where, you know, he had a really great entrance, really great video uh, screen. His gear was on point, and to see someone that you've, seen on the independent scene really make that transition that cusp to a stage like nxt is awesome 
I I hope nothing more but the best for Dragon Lee on this. And this was definitely one of the highlights of the entire weekend. Definitely a match that stole uh, and it, the show in Stand and Deliver. Um, with that, uh, Wesley won um, pinning Ilya uh, Dragunov uh, to retain the North American Championship. Uh, this week on NXT was announced we were going to have Dragon Lee face Nathan Frazier. Um, so that's also a big one-on-one moment for Dragon Lee. I um, have not seen it because as of recording, well, we're recording while NXT is on the air. So we'll uh, have more of those results next week. But real quick, uh, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, all of these other big matches happening over the weekend, but a pretty big turning point, too, was Dragon Lee's, um, you know, uh, first televised match on NXT. Absolutely. I, I tuned in special to, to see that, because, you know, you only get one first, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, it was worth it. It was worth the time. Uh, Dragon Lee is a legitimate talent, and the only bad thing about it happening this this weekend, basically, is that it got overshadowed by all the other wrestling news. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's... But there's nothing you can do about that, but work harder in your next match, because uh, he's going to have a bunch to stand out in, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, and as we kind of talked about earlier, too, with <laughs> the concerns we have with, you know... Vince McMahon possibly getting back into the creative role again and even this new venture buyout with from Endeavor, you know, what that means for Lucha Talent. You know, hopefully things are setting up really well for um, Lucha Talent, at least over the next month with what they're going to be doing at Backlash and the attention that Ray and Bad Bunny and Dominic are getting and even Damian Priest. But that does leave, you know, even NXT in flux because we saw just what happened, the changes that happened with NXT once Vince left when we moved away from NXT 2.0 back to, you know, kind of NXT black and gold. And there's elements of both still in NXT, but there's definitely been a little bit more focus on, on the wrestling again. Um, so who knows what this means for NXT now as well. That's, that's going to be another, um, aspect of wwe television that you know could change dramatically yeah it'll be really interesting to see what happens there and unfortunately like brendan touched on it feels like vince mcmahon just doesn't understand blucha and it feels like that's one of the first areas (laughs) to suffer yeah well we will We'll see. But a great weekend for, for Dragon at Lee. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I hope, uh, him and Dralistico got some time together in LA, uh, and, um, you know, others got to see Dragon Lee on such a very big stage. Hey, so Roosh was there too. Like they yes. all said. <laughs> yeah, they are. Who knows? We don't, we don't know who showed up, who wasn't there or not, but yeah. Yeah, no, they all could. I have, and I hope they did all get together. I hope Bestia was there too. Like, you know, Bestia Del Ring, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just say it. It was a good. It's a good opportunity for the family to get together and kind of uh, amazing circumstances for just about everybody. 
the last thing I'm going to touch on uh, for this week's episode is a little MLW roundup and specifically, uh, you know, just previewing War Chamber that's going to be happening this Saturday uh, in, I believe, trying to remember Philly or New York. Trying to, <laughs> trying to remember. In I, Philadelphia. No, New York. I'm sorry. War Chambers in Philadelphia, in New York. Um, Battle Riot, um, will be in Philadelphia. I think Battle Riot traditionally is in Philadelphia. Yes. Try and remember. These dates don't match up. So that's why I'm trying to double check. Uh, but for War Chamber, uh, we are going to see the MLW National Openweight Championship on the line. John Hennigan is going to be facing Jacob Fatu. Uh, the middleweight championship is going to be defended. Champion Lindsay Dorado will be facing Leo Rush. The women's featherweight championship will be uh, defended. Taya Valkyrie is going to be facing Delmi Exo. Uh, and then we're going to have some awesome matches, um, which include Willie Mack versus Sam Adonis and Microman versus Beastman. Um, so, so, so pretty, uh, pretty interesting, um, uh, matches set up for Battle Riot, um, that's scheduled for, uh, later this week. Um, other things, we still don't know where Caesar Duran is. He was kidnapped a while ago. Uh, Taya and, uh, John have been, you know, advertising for him, trying to search for him, um, to no avail. Um, and so on top of having to defend their championships coming up, uh, they don't have their fearless, you know, advocate, manager, promoter, uh, Caesar Duran, uh, with them. So, who knows if that's going to impact uh, their focus uh, and their matches uh, going into uh, War Chamber, but we will see. So uh, MLW Underground is still airing uh, every week, um, and make sure you can check out Major League Wrestling on social media uh, for information on all of their upcoming events and talent announcements. Uh, just real quick, since you uh, jogged my memory there, Big shout out to Willie Mack, who was also on a bunch of cards in LA this weekend. Mm. Um, it, I don't know why he didn't make any of the roundup because I, I originally was like, this has been a big weekend for him and he's been in a lot of these good matches. So, uh, somewhere in my note making, I missed you, Willie, and I'm sorry, but you did some amazing matches that stood out in my head. It's enough that, uh, I wanted, I am apologizing for missing it when, uh, when it's coming back around, I really, uh, yeah, he did some great stuff, and I would have, have notes right in front of me that talk about Willie Mack being uh, kind of a lucha sensation. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, and he has, a, and that kind of leads me to, to the last point I forgot to mention, too. So, John Hannigan, he is going to be facing Jacob Fatu at War Chamber, and if he goes out, whoever the winner is will be in a triple threat match at Battle Riot against Leo Rush and Willie Mack. So, uh, there you go. Yeah. That, that open weight championship, uh, contenders right now is some of the best in all of pro wrestling. Heck yeah. 
all that's a lot but uh yeah make sure to follow major league wrestling on social media uh their upcoming shows in philly and new york um are going to be highly touted and they truly have some of the best <laughs> not just independent talent in the world some of the best wrestlers in the world uh so make sure you stay tuned to major league wrestling and of course mlw underground airs tuesday nights on reels channel um yeah and and that's it for uh, mlw uh this week and we'll of course keep you stay tuned to what's happening with major league wrestling as well as nxt as well as raw and smackdown as well as triple a as well as the mll as well as aew ring of honor all of that and all that stuff happening in texas thanks to uh, uh why did i lose my notes on his name there uh <laughs> thanks Thanks once again to uh, it is El uh, Arbito. Arbito, yeah. Arbito, El Arbito. Arbito. You know, I yeah, I would have been right if I'd guessed. I just was too nervous that I we've talked about so many names. I was going to say the wrong name. Apologies. Yeah, more on that coming up too. I promise, El Arbito. We will. I will be. I talked with him in depth. I don't know how much you've talked with him, but I've talked with him in in depth. So I'll be featuring him on the Indie Roundup in weeks to come. Very briefly, he just reached out to do a shout out. He mentioned he'd been talking a lot with you, Brendan. So uh, he just mentioned he was a fan of the show and uh, was excited to share, uh, you know, upcoming results uh, from uh, the show coming up in Texas in a few weeks. Wonderful. Yes. So, right. Well, that does it for us. Now, we talked about. So much about all the different promotions that we cover here on the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. But if you want to find more about these events and more happening, you can visit LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. But I probably am not the best person to tell you about it, actually. Let me kick it off to Brendan, who can tell you more about LuchaCentral.com. Following the uh, the trends of the evening, the following commercial read was brought to you by God. Kevin Kleinrock and Ruben Zamora. <laughs> In that order. If you're listening to this and you haven't visited LuchaCentral.com, it's time to do it. LuchaCentral.com is the online home for Lucha Libre where you can get all of the top news in English and in Spanish. You can find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. It's a place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards, seen and read by top executives and all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And on top of all of that, it is still free. So price is right. Everything is right. Free. Go to LuchaCentral.com. Your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. Sorry, I was on mute while I was talking. Uh, <laughs> it happens to the best of what us. An, what an amateur move. Uh, what I was saying on mute was that 
while you're at it, go ahead and follow Lucha Central on social media at Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram and at Lucha Central com on Twitter. You can also visit uh, Lucha Central's YouTube page that has hours on hours of amazing content, including previous episodes of the Lucha Central weekly podcast in English and in Espanol, as well as other podcasts from the Lucha Central podcast network, interviews, uh, matches, uh, stuff from uh, previous Expo Luchas and much, much more at Lucha Central's YouTube page. While you're at it, though, go ahead and follow us on social media. Dusty, can you let our listeners know where they can find you? Yes, I am on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy, and I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy. And Brendan, can you let our listeners know where they can find you? Yes, I am 321 T-Shirt Guy. That's the number 321. T-Shirt Guy is all spelled out. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. And I'm all over the Twitters. And me, Miranda Morales. You can find me at the hashtag Miranda on Instagram and Facebook, not on Twitter. Hashtag spelled out Instagram. Facebook, not on Twitter, but hey, go reach out to Brendan or Dusty. Primarily Brendan is usually our go-to Twitter guy, but also Dusty, you know. I, I don't blast your Twitter on there. I, I don't know what your Twitter preferences are. I just don't want to give you the responsibility of answering my Twitter messages like I give that to Brendan. <laughs> it's still I'm in my description. That. Still in my description that I'm your official inbox. So I, I, yes. I, I... God bless. Thank you. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Um, thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. If you are listening on your favorite platform like Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe so that way you get a notification each and every time a new episode drops. You can leave us a five-star rating and type up a review. Let us know your thoughts. Also, reach out to us. Uh, we would love to hear more from anyone who is uh, wanting to share uh, results from independent wrestling shows happening throughout the U.S., please feel free to reach out to Brendan, Dusty, or myself with those results for upcoming shows. We'd also like to promote them if possible, so that way we can let all of our listeners know wherever they are what's happening uh, throughout the world of Lucha Libre. And that does it for this week's episode. So thank you all so much for listening. For Brendan Barr, for Dusty Murphy, I'm Miranda Morales. Thank you all so much, and we will be with you next time. Oh